0: All of those books are available on Amazon, as well as everywhere else books are sold. That's Travel Light, Knowing Where to Look, and Bliss More. All right, back to the show.
1: I left home at 17. It was too much, what was happening. And there was, again, addiction and abuse. I was extraordinarily lucky that I had relatives that could step in and help me out. And so they helped me on my path and for anyone out there who has kids that have friends and the parents are a little difficult if you bring those kids into your home and into your family even just for dinner thank you thank you for my younger self a lot of what I do now is in honor of my mother and how she could not show up if I can show up and share some of what she couldn't share then it's my privilege
0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to The Light Watkins Show. If this is your first time here, I interview ordinary people just like you and me who've taken extraordinary leaps of faith, often in the direction of their path, their purpose, or their mission. And in doing so, they've been able to positively impact the lives of many others who've either heard about their story or who witnessed them in action or who've directly benefited from their work. Today, I'm in conversation with Desi Bartlett, who is an author and fitness professional. She created the Round Yoga Mat, and she is a big advocate for what she calls MILFs, which stands for Moms Into Living Fit. And overall, her message is about empowering women through movement, yoga, meditation, and nutrition. And what I love about Desi's story is how she used The experiences that life handed her, both the good ones and the not so great ones, which she talks about to help improve the lives of women. And a lot of times we feel like we have to have a bunch of free time or supportive family network in order to find our purpose and to see it through. And Desi's story is actually the opposite. She ended up leaving home at 17 under unfavorable circumstances. She worked multiple jobs to make her ends meet. She kept finding ways to incorporate the lessons that she was learning into offerings for her community. And it's the equivalent of building the ship while learning how to sell. So hers is a very timely example of preparation, meeting, enthusiasm, and opportunity And Desi has a couple of books out now, which we talk about. She also talks about when she and I first met back when I was a full-time yoga teacher in Santa Monica, and Desi happened to be the group fitness director at the gym where I was teaching yoga. So it was a delightful conversation, especially if you're a mom who's either into fitness or wanting to be more into fitness. So without further ado, let us dive into the backstory of Desi Bartlett. And her total body, beautiful mindset. Desi, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. I haven't seen you in a long time. Just for the listener to know, we met originally when I was teaching yoga. I was a little old yoga teacher at Equinox <laughs> in in Santa Monica. You were really like the program. Director at the time, right? Or was it just over the yoga program?
1: I was the group fitness director. I was working with 60 different instructors, and I always remember you because you were teaching a yoga class and you asked if you could change the name. And of course, I was open to it. I said, What are you interested in changing the name to? And you wanted to change it from, I think it was Yoga for Beginners, to Sun Celebration. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I love it. So your creativity and your light were already shining through.
0: Yeah. No point in doing it like everyone else does it, right? (laughs) Totally. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. So I always like to start off talking about the early years. So I have no idea what your mom called you back in Chicago, but was it like little Desi or what what was your nickname growing up?
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) Desi. (laughs) Um, So... My parents were hippies. My mother was Ashkenazi, Russian and Jewish. My father was Mexican and Catholic. They met and fell in love. and um, They were married for one year and I was born. My name on my birth certificate was Desiree Luna, which means desired moon. So my joke is that I think they they kind of had a hint that eventually I was going to want to be a yoga teacher and help women. Because (laughs) that desired moon thing, that's exactly why I'm here. It's to help women through the transitions of life, just like the faces of the moon.
0: Did you have any favorite toys or activities as a child that you can recall?
1: Yeah, I was all about ballet all day, every day. And I loved ballet. And I went to Ruth Page. And um, it's a beautiful ballet school in Chicago. And that was really my refuge. My family life was not very stable, and until I was about six, it was. My mother was a disciple of Goswami Kriyananda at the Temple of Kriya Yoga in Chicago, and I was given the gift of a mantra when I was six years old, and that part of the path has always been with me, but then things took sort of a dark turn, and there was substance abuse and physical abuse in the home. And a lot of lessons during that time.
0: All right. So I have friends, I've dated women who had a ballet background, and they all describe it as you have to be very disciplined. It was very difficult. What drew you to this kind of disciplined, difficult practice where it's very specific as a child?
1: Yeah. So I think because, you know, when we talk about in yoga and the chakras and, and the connection to the earth, The connection to the earth and the foundation didn't feel super, super stable or strong. The family life wasn't super strong, but the connection in meditation to all that is to the feeling of like, whew, there's something beyond what I'm seeing, like in my apartment, that was so real for me. And ballet was a way of allowing me to touch that, to Mm. lift my spirits, to lift my arms, to get up high on my tiptoes. And the feeling was always that of inspiration and being elevated. So it wasn't so much like, oh, I want to work hard. It was like, oh, that feels really, really good in my body. Let's go there.
0: Were you aware of this connection when you were a kid? Or what was your sort of kid rationale behind this obsession?
1: My kid rationale was more all my friends are doing it and I want to hang out with my friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what about the meditation? Did you embrace the idea of having a mantra? Because I'm sure none of your friends had mantras and and, and meditation practices right. as a young person. Yeah,
1: totally. And um, I loved it and I enjoyed having a mantra. I remember the first mantra made me feel a little like hyper or jumpy. And I, I went back and asked for a different one. <laughs> and the guru said, Yeah, that that can happen. Um because I didn't have a lot of people around me that had like traditional. I don't know, like American suburban looking upbringings. We Mm -hmm. all had sort of a different thing because we were downtown Chicago where there's like a melting pot and there were a lot of latchkey kids and a lot of like single parent homes. We all had something that was just a little unique. So I didn't think much of it.
0: So your mom studied Buddhism with your biological dad, but he wasn't around. (laughs) So I don't think you ever really met him. Talk about the philosophies and ideologies that your mom would sort of echo as you were growing up the only child to a single mom?
1: She grew up in the Jewish faith. And we had a butsidan in the house. And I learned namyoho rengekyo and how to chant when I was a little kid. But one of the gifts that I feel like she gave me was her openness to all religions and all philosophies. And so now I really follow self-realization, fellowship, philosophy. And in the beginning of each week, we go within and we bow to saints of all religions. And I feel like that was a gift that she gave me as a little girl to see beauty in all of the different paths. And there's no one right way of doing things. Why can't we be inspired by Buddhism and the ability to stay present and Christianity and the golden rule and Judaism and and all of the beautiful tradition there. Like, let's do it all.
0: What was the idea of success in your household?
1: That's fascinating. I don't know that I could actually truthfully give you one. It was more about showing up for others and how can you be of service? It wasn't about like, how much money can you make? And that, that's why your question for a moment made me think like, oh, what was that? Because mm-hmm. I think now my own idea of success does have an element of like building, but it was very much service driven.
0: So would your mom volunteer or any of that kind of stuff when you were little? Did you notice, did you observe her being of service in any kind of way that was interesting to you?
1: Yeah. So she suffered with chronic migraines. And Mm -hmm. she started a group called CHAMP, which was an acronym for Chronic Migraines Are My Problem. And so Mm -hmm. she was able to help men and women all over Chicago to access the resources that they needed at the time for help from pain.
0: What are some of those resources? Because in case someone has a migraine out there, they may be
1: interested. (laughs) So at the time it was, you know, learning about things like making changes in your diet and there Uh, are specific foods and things like caffeine and sometimes too much red meat that can kind of trigger cluster headaches and just little, little changes that can help. And then also she would guide people to, naturopaths, which weren't really a thing back then that anyone spoke of. But she was always there to help if you had pain, whether it was meditating with you, praying with you, giving you somebody's phone number, or helping you make a change in your diet.
0: You and I are kind of the same age. When I grew up in Alabama, physical fitness wasn't a thing. Like I never saw my parent my parent my mom would walk sometimes in the morning. That was like her thing. My dad never did anything. He was a very Quotes, you know, materially successful person, but he never really exercised, didn't really move. And now, of course, you talk a lot about nutrition, fitness, etc. Did you notice any of that happening when your mom was helping people <laughs> navigate migraine headaches? Because obviously now there's a connection between, you know, your mood and, and what you eat and, and your movement schedule and all of those things.
1: So she was very much of the mindset that as women, we should not sweat in public.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you, you disappointed her your whole life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're you a huge disappointment in that regard. Okay. Shouldn't sweat yep. in public.
1: Don't sweat in public and certainly don't wear those ugly shoes, she would say, which she was referring <laughs> to sneakers. Yeah. Um, so, no, I did not grow up with that. But I remember when I was around, oh, gosh, it must have been around 11 years old we did have one Betamax tape with Jane Fonda and mm-hmm. she was laying on her side. And she had the leg up and the leotard and the whole thing. And I swear that tape just said like, try me, try me. And the moment I did, I was hooked. I loved it.
0: You had ultimately went to university of Illinois in Chicago. What kind of student were you? Were you someone who was driven self-starter type of thing or?
1: Yeah. So Originally I went to Arizona State and while I was at ASU I was a dance minor and I had some trouble with my knees and because I was at a state school I had good insurance and I went to the physician there and I said I you know I'm having a lot of trouble with my knees and he he evaluated me and he said you just need to strengthen your quads and I looked at him and I said what is a quad <laughs> like Is it an ATV? What are we talking about, right? So as fate would have it, that exact evening, I met a woman, Jackie Paisley. May she rest in peace. She was second place Miss Olympia that year. And we started chatting and she said, hey, let me take you to the gym. Let me show you how to use a leg extension machine. Let me help you feel good. And I was hooked. I fell in love with it. I changed my major. I changed my school. I wound up going back to Chicago to UIC because they had an amazing program. And Mm -hmm. I went on to get my bachelor's in kinesiology and my master's in corporate fitness. Not because I was this like super dedicated, focused student, but just like hearkening back to ballet. I just felt good. I'm like, this stuff works. I feel great. So I became sort of a, a science nerd.
0: You were a dance minor. Had you been doing ballet the entire time? Yes. Okay. And they never mentioned the word quad in ballet?
1: Never, never. Especially during that time. That was, you know, like the 70s and 80s. It was more about as soon as you walk in the door, let's put you on a scale. Let's put safety pins on the back of your leotard so that you have to stand up, you know, like rod straight. It was very much about the look.
0: You get to join me live for weekly meditations on Zoom and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. The code is happy. All right, back to the episode. Prior to meeting Jackie, what was your idea for yourself professionally beyond school?
1: So funny. I really, really wanted to be a weather person. I wanted to do the weather on the news. I don't know why, but I think I always just had such a, an admiration and a fondness for the people who were on television each day. They always looked put together and happy and healthy. And I think what I was connecting to was showing up and having joy.
0: And then, after Jackie introduced you to fitness, talk about that shift and how you saw yourself using what she was teaching you and what you learned subsequently in a professional way beyond school. Mm. Cause you, you got a master's in, in what was your master's in again?
1: Corporate fitness. Corporate so this fitness. Was, this was before everyone was doing like corporate fitness programs and, you know, like going into major corporations that was as close as I could get to what I wanted to do. And what mm. I realized I wanted to do was go work in like resorts and spas and beautiful places on the planet where I could be of service. So I thought, okay, well, well, this will work. But what Jackie really, really taught me was not only, you know, the joy of movement and how great it can feel to feel great, but also the discipline and showing up every day, even if it's only 20 minutes a day, if you want to feel a certain way, you have to do the work. That's part of why I have such a reverence for bodybuilding. And people kind of look at me because I don't look like a bodybuilder, but Gosh, do I
0: admire it. You know how, and you're probably going to do this too at some point with your kids, but how your parents give you, your mom gives you unsolicited advice. You shouldn't do that. No one's going to want to marry you if you do this or that. Oh, Desi, (laughs) you're sweating in public. Did you get any pushback from her when you were getting into all this fitness stuff?
1: Well, I want to be really open and honest about my story and not gloss over things. Because if there is a teenage girl out there right now who has left home, I want to Mm -hmm. honor her and tell her that I see her. I left home at 17. It was too much what was happening. And there was, again, addiction and abuse. So at that point in life, we weren't really connected. I was extraordinarily lucky that I had relatives that could step in and help me out. And so they helped me on my path. And for anyone out there who has kids that have friends and the parents are a little difficult, if you bring those kids into your home and into your family, even just for dinner, thank you. Thank you From my younger self. There were so many of my friends' parents that showed up for me. And I just, I really want to acknowledge that.
0: I'm glad you brought this up. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to go just a little deeper. Into the psychology behind a 17-year-old saying, you know what, I need to take charge of my life here. So what was that moment like for you? And and I'm asking in the sense of, did you have a mentor? Did you have someone advising you? Or were you just completely going on your own accord? Like, how did you even know where to go? What was the first night? Where did you end up?
1: The first night was at my best friend's home. And there was no mentor or plan or map. There was an incident that I just couldn't no pude aguantarlo I couldn't support it I couldn't live with it I had to I had to get out for my own health and and well-being and so I did and I went to my friend's house and steps were taken and thank God all worked out I will share I, there's no blame there's no like I don't think everyone is cut out to be a parent that shows up every single day and that's mm-hmm. okay. Again, no blame. But thank God I had friends and family who could step in and, and take me in. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, light, but I will tell you that a lot of what I do now is in honor of my mother and how she could not show up. If I mm-hmm. can show up and share some of what she couldn't share, then it, it's my privilege.
0: So you're on your own. And how are you paying for school?
1: I had a relative who helped pay for a lot of it. And again, I went to state schools. I always had a job. I always worked at the university, whether it was Arizona State or UIC. If you go to a state school, it's generally a lot less expensive. And if you are an employee of the university, it's even less. And I also was working as a personal trainer at Aqua aerobics instructor back in the day in Chicago at East Bank Club, which for those of you from Chicago, back in the day it was like Oprah, Oprah,
0: Jerry Michael Springer,
1: yeah. and Michael Jordan, like all there in the morning. Um, so it was a, a very cool and very special time to be there.
0: Did you have some unique gift in aquatics? Like how did you? <laughs> we
1: so, haven't mentioned that um, part of the
0: story. How do you learn? Right.
1: How- So when I got into fitness and kinesiology, I I just went full force. I did every certification you could think of personal training, group fitness, water aerobics, spinning Pilates, I just I would go, 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 go. Because I realized that movement isn't a one size fits all thing. And if I was going to work with people from, you know, all different walks of life, I needed a, a big toolbox with a lot of different formats. And aqua aerobics, quite honestly, was the easiest place to get my foot in the door. This is back in early 90s when everyone was like, step aerobics crazy. Let's go, you know, three knees and hamstring curl. And it was so much fun. But not everyone was excited about teaching aqua aerobics. So I went full force. And I did a great job. I fell in love with it. And I packed my classes. So if there's something that you're interested in, if there's someone listening to this, if I can help inspire you and you want to get your foot in the door, sometimes look for the jobs that nobody wants to do. And if you mm. can fall in love with that and excel at it, then you'll get to where you want to go.
0: Are you still meditating at this time? Yes. How has your practice Always. evolved? Like, cause a lot of times, I mean, obviously I'm a big advocate for meditation, but people ask me all the time, like, why, what do you get from meditation? And one of the biggest benefits that I now say is I have a stronger connection to my intuition. So what were you experiencing at that point? At this point, you're meditating for probably over 10 years, right? So what was your experience like now?
1: At that point, I was in college. And I remember I would do this at the end of the day, I would lay down and go into a very, very deep meditative state. So I I know that it's great to sit up, but I I preferred to lay down at that point. And I would be essentially in Shavasana, palms up, and I would open myself to all that is. And my prayer has always been, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me where I can be of service, show me how I can show up, show me how to do this thing, because I didn't have the mentors and the people to show me. But what I did have was this beautiful practice that had been with me since the time I was a child. And so that state always felt like refuge. It always felt like a best friend. And to go there at the end of the day was like a warm hug.
0: And you're essentially on your own in the world, meaning, you know, you're kind of cut off from your immediate family. But you discover later on that you have some biological siblings. Talk about that, that experience. How did you find <laughs> out what was your feeling when you connected with them?
1: After I graduated from UIC, I moved to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, and Mm -hmm. I moved there because I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to learn about my Mexican culture. I had not grown up with any of it. And I And for the I decided, for the for the
0: listener who can't see Desi, she's very ethnic Latina. looking. Yeah, you're very Latino looking.
1: Totally, totally. To the point where I thought I was adopted at one point because <laughs> my mother was Russian and she looked, you know, she looked like Svetlana. And I, no. I don't. So I lived in Mexico and I had a wonderful, wonderful experience there. While I was there, I wanted to open a gym, like a small fitness studio. And in order to be a business owner in Mexico at that time, you either had to have a partner who was a Mexican national or mm-hmm. you had to have dual citizenship. I had neither. So I looked into dual citizenship and I found out that I could get it if I could provide my biological father's parents birth certificate or death certificate. I hired a private investigator and they found him they found my biological father in about five minutes and I called him and I said hey I'm your daughter I live in Mexico and I explained why I was calling and he said you know funny thing I knew about you and your sister but this other woman just called me last week too (laughs) (laughs) and like full-on Jerry Springer moment I'm like okay and he said that He had been married previously. He Mm. had children in that marriage. So I had siblings I didn't know about. He had a romantic encounter in between his two marriages. And that led to the birth of a baby that he had not known about until she was an adult. Then there was Mm. me. So there's all these siblings. And I just started calling everybody. I'm like, hey, (laughs) I'm your sister. And my one sister, Laura, because she had just done the DNA test. She said to me, she's like, let the DNA test come back first, and then we should meet. But we both got too excited, and we met first, and we knew immediately we were sisters. We look exactly alike. We speak exactly alike. And she's just just (laughs) like, she's my favorite.
0: Where was your dad living at the time?
1: Chicago, south side of Chicago.
0: Did you ever get a chance to meet him in person?
1: Unfortunately, no. No, he's still alive. Yeah, again, light. I think that not everyone is meant to be a parent that shows up every day. And that's okay. I send mm-hmm. him love and thank you for life.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you kind of grew up quickly for yourself. And that explains a lot of the determination that you had. And I'm going to start this business in Cabo, come hell or high water, you know, we'll do whatever we got to do, make it happen. Has that been your sort of drive or your your motivation since you were 17 years old
1: yeah i figured out very quickly if i wanted to make something happen i could and mm-hmm. what are the steps i just had to figure out the steps also around that time i should share i started listening to a lot of tony robbins and mm-hmm. Awakening a giant within and so mm-hmm. he became even though i've never met him he became sort of a mentor and I would write down my goals and I would have my goals up in my locker at school or in my locker at work. And so wherever I went, I could see that. And that was the map.
0: So you opened up the gym?
1: I did. So I had a gym, Cabo Health and Fitness. And while I was there, this beautiful man from mainland Mexico named Tona Tiu, which means sun god, he came inside or he asked me, can I teach yoga here? And I said, sure. So I took his yoga class and it reawakened so much in me from when I was a little girl. And I recognized the Sanskrit and the neti, neti, neti technique. I am not this thought. I'm not that thought. I'm not thought. And it felt like coming home. And so at that time, I started going to California, to LA, to San Diego, to Palm Springs, to any yoga certification That I could get my hands on because I knew at that moment, okay, this was always part of my path. I stepped away from it for a minute because it didn't feel safe. It was connected to an unsafe situation in my brain, but it wasn't the truth. And I could go back to it and I could integrate it into what I was doing.
0: For a long time, you were big advocate for fitness for yourself, but now you're a gym owner and you get to see really up close and personal how men relate to the gym and how women relate to the gym. Can you talk about those differences? Because it informs a lot of your later work in the fitness world.
1: Yeah, for sure. So where I lived in Cabo San Lucas, there's a lot of Americans, there's a lot of expats and Canadians, and there's also Mexican nationals. And so I would teach in both languages and I would have private training clients in both languages. And what I realized was women, especially, you know, no matter what your culture would rip themselves to shreds. So for example, pistolas is what the Mexican women would call their thighs or uh, (laughs) right. Like saddlebags. Um, Mm. The abdomen, instead of being the abdomen was like la pancita or all these different words that were just not nice. And I would hear it in Spanish. And then I would hear it in English. I would have my American clients come in and say, Oh my gosh, I'm so fat and look at my thighs and my cellulite. And And the men would also be self-critical, but never to that extent. And I saw that the men just had a little bit of a healthier relationship at that time, in my opinion, with their bodies. And so it really made me think, how can I inspire women to feel good and not just do this because it's going to like make your thigh an inch skinnier. That's interesting. But I remember I grew up with that feeling of ballet and like, and like lifting and, Oh my God, this brings me joy. How can I bring that to all women everywhere in every language?
0: What did you create in that regard to help women specifically? relate to fitness and yoga in a different way.
1: That's the precipice of creating something, right? I Just right there, that's when I realized, okay, how am I going to do this? What can I do that's going to help people? And mm-hmm. I went back to that vision of like Jane Fonda on the, on the Betamax tape with the up. And honestly, my dream was like, let's do, I think DVDs were already out at this point, let's do a DVD in English and Spanish that has yoga and fitness. That was what I wanted to do. But as fate would have it at that time, I went back to visit my family or my friends essentially in Chicago for my birthday. As I was coming back from Chicago to Mexico, I was on a plane September 11th, 2001. So my life shifted drastically as did the lives of all Americans and everyone on this planet. Mm -hmm. And that was the impetus for me moving back to the United States. And once I moved back to the United States, then I created what I wanted to do. I did nine DVDs, (laughs) English, (laughs) Espanol, yoga, fitness, dance, prenatal yoga, like anything, you name it. I wanted to share my voice and to help lift people and just Allow them to find the joy of movement and to feel great from the inside out.
0: There may be other people listening to this who also want to do this you know some their version of that, right? Yeah. What was your first step? like how do you go from wanting to do a DVD to actually having a DVD? How does that happen?
1: So it was around that time that I started working at a local gym in LA I then made the jump to Equinox, and I was thinking to myself, okay, I bet if I'm working at Equinox and I'm like doing a good job, maybe I'll meet a producer or a director or there will be an opportunity. I didn't totally know what it looked like yet, but I knew I was in LA, right? (laughs) And so things around media often happen there. And it did, it totally did. I had the opportunity to meet with a director from Gaim and we started chatting. One thing led to another. They actually hired me away as an executive first But then we went on to do creative projects.
0: What were some of the learnings in the development of that process? And I'll share with you a little bit about my experience. Like I didn't really have, when I was teaching yoga full time, I would have been very open to doing a yoga DVD if the opportunity presented itself. But I wasn't really looking for that for my own personal career. But I also had, I had an agreement with myself. Like I'm always going to show up as much as possible. Because I saw that when you didn't show up, the class numbers would drop and I felt an allegiance to the student base that I was working with. And I'm just curious, what were some of your tenets as someone, a fitness professional or a yoga influencer, whatever you want to call it, that you were operating from back in those days that maybe you didn't talk about, but it's just your own personal way of relating to your craft?
1: As an executive, as a manager, I always wanted to show up in service of those that were working with me or for me. So I was never, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well. I was never that manager that was like, "Okay, you need to clock in, and you need to let me know." I never micromanaged. I always came from a place of, "How can I serve you? What do you need? Do you need, you know, you need batteries? You need a different CD for your whatever you need? You want to change the name? Cool, let's go." And then for myself, I always showed up with the science to back up whatever I was saying. I had studied so much at this point. I knew, okay, yes, I could teach a a strength training class, a body sculpt class. And it was interesting, you know, five more bicep curls. But when I showed up and I was like you sharing my full experience and okay, bicep, by two, set, head, there's two heads here. We need to work this muscle from two different angles so that you get the best results. That's when I found that people responded.
0: I can't remember. Were you pregnant at Equinox around the time (laughs) we met or was it just after that time we met?
1: It was just after that. And I, I was pregnant with my older son, Cruz. And a theme here that I didn't necessarily know about myself, and thank you for bringing this out and revealing something new to me. When I go into something, I go in full force. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. let's go! And I started going to prenatal classes, and I couldn't find the right fit. This one was too easy. This one was too hard. This one they never even mentioned the fact that there's a baby inside of me. And so I studied day and night. I have additional certifications in prenatal yoga and prenatal fitness. I watched anything I could get my hands on, and I knew hey, wait, I have the tools, I can create this. And so then I went on to do prenatal yoga education for other instructors, certifying them, as well as writing a book and creating two more DVDs.
0: was an experience you had after rebirth where you went to a postnatal class with your child and the teacher said something that kind of rubbed you the wrong way although they probably she probably didn't mean it that way but you took it in a way that inspired you actually to find what wasn't already on the market can you talk about that experience and how that affected you
1: So it was a small mommy and me class and we all had our babies there and everyone was practicing yoga, holding their babies. And it's this really cute thing, you know, lifting your baby, but my baby was hungry and he wanted to eat the whole time. So I was nursing and I had a bottle and I was so happy just to be out of the house, to be in the community of women. And I was having a lovely experience right after the class, the teacher said to me, I'm sorry your baby didn't let you practice yoga today. And I thought, huh, (laughs) you totally just negated the positive experience that I was having. And mama bear woke up and said, no, she didn't (laughs) like talk for my baby. Uh -uh." So I'm sure I was a little hormonal (laughs) and extra sensitive at that time. But to your point, I did use it as fuel to create something beautiful I knew that once again, I could dig in to the study, I could find the joy in that movement, and I could offer it in a way that was unique to my expression.
0: And that led to this whole MILF, (laughs) (laughs) this MILF platform. So before the listeners get upset with me for calling you a MILF, can you talk about what that actually means?
1: During this time, this is like, what, 2008, 2009, and that Mm -hmm. word was sort of in the cultural zeitgeist. And I looked at the word one day, and I thought, oh, huh, that could be an acronym, Mothers Into Living Fit. Mm -hmm. And so my joke was, you know, I've taken this like, X-rated little word, and I've turned it into like, the most (laughs) G-rated thing (laughs) ever, (laughs) which was mommy and me yoga. But honestly, by this point, I had learned enough about marketing that I knew if I had a hook, I could get out there and I would get more eyeballs on me and I could share this with more women and more babies. And because of what I wanted to offer mothers specifically to feel the joy of bonding with their babies and to feel the joy of motherhood, if I needed to use a catchy little phrase to get there, it was all good. I've only had one person who came at me for that name. And <laughs> it was a, it was a man. And he said, you know, I, I can't believe you're over sexualizing women in this way. And I can't believe that, you know, you would use this filthy term and uh, you're just, you're making women sound and on and on and on. And I said to him respectfully, how do you think she got pregnant? We have sex. We're whole beings. We, we have intimate relationships. We can call that out, but this is really just like a tongue in cheek, fun name. He wasn't having any of it, but it was a great lesson to me on like, not everyone's going to like what you do and that's okay.
0: Why is it important to be a fit mom? Because here's the thing, like moms may hear this and go, well, you know, body positivity, there's nothing kind of like you were with your kid in that class. Like there's nothing wrong with my child. I had a great experience. They may be thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with my body. I don't really need to go out and lift weights or go to classes or anything. Like I'm I'm good where I am. So what can they get more of (laughs) by being a fit mom?
1: In terms of body positivity, we're all different shapes and sizes. And I want to be extremely clear. My goal is not to shrink women. I Mm -hmm. don't think that that is interesting or serves women. My goal is to help women feel great from the inside out. And that includes nutrition, flexibility, strength. I tr- truly believe that when we're strong in one arena, it informs the other parts of self. So if my body is feeling strong and I can handle you know, carrying the stroller and the 30-pound toddler and the diaper bag, then I'm going to have a little bit more mental strength because I know I can do it. I'm going to have a little bit more emotional strength because I'm committed to showing up for myself and for my baby. So for me, it's much more about how can I help you to feel great in your daily life and your daily tasks? And perhaps your path is to have more than one baby. So if you're going to be caring for your child all day, every day and caring for yourself and showing up as a wife and a mother and a friend, and now you're going to have another life inside of you, you got to have some energy. You just do. And that energy can be cultivated through movement, through macronutrients and micronutrients and giving you the support to feel good and to feel energized.
0: You said in your first book that if you have not been training or working out, maybe being pregnant is not the ideal time to go full on into it. So how should pregnant women who may hear this and get inspired (laughs) to start moving, how should they approach it?
1: So the general rule is you're not really supposed to do anything new during pregnancy, but that Mm -hmm. applies more to intense movement. If you didn't do CrossFit before you got pregnant, I'm not going to tell you to start it when you're six months pregnant, but gentle movement, walking, yoga, water aerobics. We always come back to water aerobics. (laughs) (laughs) All All of these different forms will support you. It'll support you through the pregnancy to carry the additional weight. It can help you with an easier labor delivery and recovery.
0: What is the best exercise for someone to do who maybe they haven't really done anything at all and they just want to feel like they're doing something? What can they do to sort of get started? And then what is the next step after that? You know, I've written meditation books before, and I tell people you can't really learn properly how to meditate from a book. A book is a great way to kind of kickstart a practice. But what is the next step? Do you go to the gym? Do you hire a trainer? Do you watch a DVD? <laughs> like, What do you do? How do, you, how do you actually...
1: <laughs> so to begin any kind of movement practice, I like to ask people, what did you enjoy when you were a little kid? Hmm. And then sometimes we can get in that way you know if you if you enjoyed roller skating maybe i take you out roller skating that kind of thing if it's something that's not available to you now or maybe it's not as interesting or attractive then i usually just take people for walks let's just go for a walk most people can handle going for a walk what i see is that women especially we take care of so much that we get easily distracted from needing to go work out because oh, wait, my best friend needs me, or my child needs me, or I have this responsibility. But I I want you to show up for yourself at least 20 minutes a day. So let's start with that 20 minute walk. Once you feel like, okay, I'm kind of getting into this. Now I want you to start talking to yourself. I know that sounds a little funny, but I want there to be positive self-talk so that your brain hears what you're saying and it associates movement With something that feels great. Now it's time to add a little more. I might add wrist weights or ankle weights and little by little start to increase the resistance. If it's a mom, especially she understands that because when she had her baby, five, six, seven, eight, nine pound baby, each week that baby gains weight. And so you get stronger in increments. So after that first little bit of walking and perhaps adding weight to the walk, Now I'm going to invite you to either practice yoga or go to the gym or kind of see like, where do we need to go? If I'm working with you one-on-one, I'm going to be right there with you. If we don't know each other, perhaps we just live really far away from each other. Then I'm going to direct you to, if you can work with someone in person, great, at least for the first month so that you start to understand how to work safely after that, then books, DVDs, podcasts, all of the things. We're so lucky that we live in this digital world where we have access to everything. So then you can start to progress into different formats, yoga, <laughs> fitness, uh, cardio, cardio.
0: Can you give just an example of the self-talk? I'm assuming there are affirmations that you're referring to. Like I can do this or I'm beautiful. What what are some of the things you said before (laughs) you're talking to yourself, walking down the street?
1: I'm getting stronger at this very moment. I say that over and over. I'm getting stronger at this very moment. I'm getting stronger at this very moment. And I say that to women all of the time, especially in group classes. When you see the muscles start to shake a little bit and you see a woman's face kind of go, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I'll say you are getting stronger at this very moment. And I reframe it so that it's it's something that's positive. And I also like to work with single words as mantras or intentions. Um, joy, joy, joy. And just let that roll over and over through the wheels of my mind. And perhaps I start to see images of joy. Uh, oh, light. I can't remember the technical name for this, but you know, when you want to buy a car and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere Mm. and you only see that car, (laughs) you become sort of like a a magnet for it, right? You Mm. can do that with a word and a state and a feeling joy, 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 joy. I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. Oh, look at that. The sun is shining. Joy, joy, joy. There's a mom and a baby. Oh, that's beautiful. Joy, joy, joy. And it becomes a magnet.
0: You've also talked about meditation while pregnant and after pregnancy. So how can they fit meditation into the protocol? Because, you know, moms are the ones that are always saying, I'm too busy to meditate because I got these little kids and they're running around.
1: So when the baby is inside of you, you can close your eyes and you can connect to that beautiful soul who has chosen you to be mommy. And you can meditate and you can breathe and feel the gratitude for this extraordinary connection. When they're little, when they're newborns, you can do it with them in your arms. And that's also so special. And I I much prefer to see a woman closing her eyes and snuggling with her baby than scrolling through social because the baby can feel whether or not you're present. Mm -hmm. Once they're toddlers, yeah, they want to walk around and do their thing. But what I've seen over and over and over again is if you find a sense of stillness as a mother and you're seated and your eyes are closed, even the most energetic toddler is going to come over and say, what you doing? Or sit on your lap. And if they get 10 seconds of stillness, cool. And for the moms, if they get two minutes of stillness, great. It isn't about quantity. It is totally about quality, in my opinion.
0: So let's talk about Total Body Beautiful. You had your own book when you published that in 2019. This book, you're doing it with a couple of other luminaries, fitness luminaries. Talk a little bit about the difference in experience with publishing your first book versus this book.
1: So with my first book, let me back up for a moment. There's a wonderful yoga teacher, Travis Elliott, who invited me to teach the pardon me, to write the prenatal chapter of his yin yoga book. Hmm. And it was published by Human Kinetics. And I recognized the publisher because it was on the side of every book I had ever read in college. Hmm. And I said to Travis, I said, you know, would it be okay if I talked to them about doing some prenatal work? And he said, yes, of course. And he made the introduction. And for those of you out there who want to write or create media or whatever it is, I really encourage each one of you to cultivate relationships, to feed and nourish those relationships with the people that you encounter, whether it's in the publishing world or the media world. I work with people for like 10, 15, 20 years at a time. And I feel so blessed and so fortunate. But I also work with people sometimes for you know two months and don't see them for a decade. I'm looking at you light, and then (laughs) we can connect again. Because I know where I come from. I, I know that I always come from wanting the best for other people. So I feel hmm. like that makes a difference in how you show up as an executive.
0: And what is it that makes Total Body Beautiful, not just another exercise slash fitness book?
1: My idea was, okay, I want to hit like all aspects of fitness, muscular strength, muscular endurance, cardiovascular endurance, flexibility, all the things. But I know that even though I've been doing this forever, there are people that do other parts of it much better than I do. And so if I can call in like the best fitness trainer I know, Andrea Orbeck, and if I can call in a beautiful Pilates professional, Nicole Stewart, and the three of us can come together with resistance training, cardio, Pilates, and yoga and meditation. Wow. (laughs) Now we've got something. And because we are all over 35, I'm 51, we're talking about premenopause and menopause is a time that people don't really talk about like, what are the differences in fitness and how do I need to change things? And wait, my hormones are shifting. Maybe my workout should change. Maybe my diet should change. Maybe the way I approach this whole thing should change. So that was where we were coming from. We wanted to help women through another transition of life with tools and techniques and really practical methods.
0: Did our friend Natalia do the photos for this book as well? Was your first one?
1: Yeah. Yes. So my dear, I call her my soul sister, Natalia (laughs) Gwynn. She's a naturopath and a photographer. She took my prenatal yoga class many years ago, and we just kind of fell in love with each other. And she asked me one day, can I take your picture? And she did and has been taking my picture ever since. She did the photos for both of my books. Um, She's snapped several yoga magazine covers for me. And it's just a beautiful example of when women show up for women to lift each other up or humans show up for humans to lift one another, how beautiful and fulfilling that can be.
0: Yes, yeah, she attended my very first solo international meditation, uh, no, yoga retreat, actually, back in 2006 or 2005 or something. And she was a photographer. She did an awesome job. I haven't seen her in forever, but she used to come to my classes at Equinox, I remember. So I have a yes. great fondness for Natalia. Okay, so you mentioned earlier, you hinted that you were going to share with us as a part of your story how you now, showing up as a parent, It's a little bit different from the way your mom showed up. And what are some of those considerations when you're trying to do the right things as a mom?
1: So I've learned that children and teenagers, especially, I have a 14 year old and an eight year old, that children don't necessarily listen to what you say. They listen Mm -hmm. to what you do. (laughs) So I'm very aware of how I model things for my children and little things like, you know, saying my age, I don't fib about my age. I don't want my children to see their mom as feeling insecure as a woman in any aspect. Mm -hmm. And so I bring them into the gym, like, hey, let's go work out. They'll practice yoga with me like this much (laughs) because they're really strong athletes, but they both meditate and I can take them to the ocean and we can pray together and we can find a sense of stillness. So for me, the way that I try to show up that's different is to model the highest expression of health.
0: People ask me all the time as a meditation teacher, and and I think you're probably a better person to answer this question than I am because I don't have any kids yet, but how do you get kids? Excited about meditation?
1: I don't know that I necessarily got them excited about it because I was introduced to it at six years old. They were introduced to it when they were still in my belly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's just been present in their lives since they existed. And to invite a child into meditation, like a, a younger child for the first time, usually what I do, it's the same thing. It's I'm gonna do it. And I'll talk to you. And you know, if you want to try it, cool. And if you want to just stare at me and kind of walk around me, cool. It's all good. There has to be the modeling of it from a place of integrity, and not the "do this."
0: So there's no family meditation time or anything like that. They can do it if they want in their room. Or do you do it publicly? Do you like out in the living room, or do you like make a whole thing out of it? I'm about to meditate. You all can join me if you want. Or not? How does it go down in your house?
1: I'm headed to the ocean. I'm going to meditate. Want to come? Sometimes (laughs) they do. Sometimes they don't. (laughs) And that became more of a a regular ritual as a family during the shutdowns of the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so because we were kind of, you know, all in the house, we did live near the beach in L.A. at the time. And I was like, the the mental... um, strain for me of being in the house all the time was getting to me. And I assumed it was for my children as well. So I said, how about if we go to the ocean? And then we started meditating at the ocean. And it turned into this beautiful practice that we continue to this day.
0: Speaking of Tony Robbins, he's got this really beautiful saying, he says, look, if you are going to blame your parents for all the screwed up stuff that they did to you, then you also have to give them credit for all the wonderful things that you ended up doing as a result of either trying to prove them wrong or just trying to find your own way or whatever you ended up doing after having had that experience. And so I'm just curious now, in hindsight, when you think back to the way you grew up and not every parent is meant to be, is going to be able to show up fully for their child, what are some of the things that you see yourself doing as a mom, as a parent, that you can thank your experience for giving you the appreciation for.
1: So I think that we learn from people and parents included what we want to do and what we don't want to do and both Mm -hmm. are valid. So sometimes we learn through having it modeled like a positive behavior. And other times we see a negative behavior and say, I'm never going to do that. And Again, to me, both are valid and both help us to find our path. So, what I found is because of the way I grew up, there was a lot of instability and inconsistency. And what that taught me was I want to be consistent for myself, I want to be consistent for my family, and my word is my bond. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I show up every day. If I say I'm going to be there, I'll be there. And so that's really, really important to me. And it isn't done in reaction or in spite of like, I didn't get that. So I'm going to do this. It's not that it's wow. That's where I want to be. If I can do that, then I'm also doing that. And I truly believe this in honor of what my mother couldn't give me. And if I can be the one who shows up from the family tree in this healthy way, then Let's let's do it and let that be an offering to others.
0: And how are you defining success these days?
1: Working with people that I love and enjoy every single day. I don't love the word clients because it's like there are these special souls that I have the opportunity to work with. Having these people in my life that allow me to inspire them is a joy. Having Many platforms that I can do that with many different people is my privilege. So the success for me is being able to share all of the knowledge that I've learned from a place of love and joy with people everywhere in English, in Espanol, in Instagram, Facebook, DVDs, books, all the things That's success for me, especially because I, I do that with the support and the love of my family.
0: You've also left something behind. If anyone out there is using a round yoga mat, you you innovated that, right?
1: I did. Um, so, ten years in the making. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand seven. I had this idea. You know, we talk about hatha yoga and we talk about the luminaries and sun salutations and moon salutations. How come my yoga mat is a rectangle? Wouldn't it make more sense if it was the shape of the luminary? So I worked with a company at that time. We brought it to the market as with any product. The first iteration had some issues. Like 10 years later, I started working with Manduka as an executive. And I said, hey, I had this idea. (laughs) Can we create this together? And I was so, I was going to say lucky, but it's like preparation and opportunity together together. I don't know what the definition of that is, but that's what came together, the alchemy of it. Mm -hmm. And we up-leveled the original product. So it's made from natural rubber. What does that mean? It means that it's safe for moms and babies. It's not going to wind up in a landfill for 25 years. It's a beautiful way to practice yoga and fitness and just have a baby mat in your room that allows for the energy of the sun and the moon and it also allows you to get strong and flexible at every angle, 360 degrees.
0: Okay. Well, Total Body Beautiful just came out this month, which is September 2022. And then your Strong, Sexy... It comes out in November. Oh, it's out in November. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so we're in pre-sale yeah.
1: right now. We're in pre-sale right now. Amazon, awesome. Barnes & Noble.
0: Good, good, good. Are you, doing, are you all three doing the audio for the book?
1: We haven't spoken about audio yet because we have a guide in the back of the book with a lot of different workouts. So I think what we're going to do is it's probably going to be multimedia. You know how much I love video.
0: (laughs) We're going there. And then we have Your Strong Sexy Pregnancy, which came out in 2019. The Round Yoga Mat is out and you have tons of, you have a thriving YouTube channel. And I don't think people realize how much discipline goes into creating all of these things. And so in that sense, I want to just reflect back to your your ballet upbringing and the discipline that was required with that experience and just acknowledging how that has positively impacted your ability to keep putting out these products and platforms that are helping to make the world a more beautiful place, a more supple place. A more agile place and ultimately a more adaptable place. So, thank you for that. I just want to acknowledge you for all the work and dedication you've had to put into yourself and to your journey, and all the love you've had to probably give along your way on your path to your upbringing, to your family, and and, help, and, and continually reframing that for yourself. Because that's another thing you kind of you can go in one or two directions. You can either become resentful and bitter, and that usually doesn't produce work that helps people. Or you can reframe it in a way that allows you to see the silver lining and see, okay, well, this is my path. This is helping me, helping to refine my ability to be the best version of myself. And so in that sense, I'm grateful for it. And I feel like you come from that place in all of your work. And that's one of the things that inspired me to want to talk to you. So thank you very much for showing up.
1: So much, thank you, um, and yes, in the same way that I show up for my children, I want to show up for myself, and mm-hmm. that falling in love with fitness and yoga and movement is exactly what you just explained. And I also want to take a moment to recognize you, light. And um, so, in the romance languages, when we talk about giving birth, it's giving to the light.
0: In mm. Spanish,
1: dar luz. <laughs> in Italian, dar a la luce. And mm-hmm. for me, light is not the opposite of darkness. It's the opposite of fear and mm. it's bringing in a sense of illumination and learning. And so that's what I see you doing. And I find your podcast and your message to be such a gift. So thank mm. you for sharing your light.
0: Thank you so much. And I look forward to, I mean, you're in Hawaii now, so I don't know when I'll be out there next, hopefully soon. But in any case, I look forward to crossing paths in person because it's been way too long.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you for listening
0: to my interview with Desi Bartlett. You can order a pre-sale copy of her recent book, Total Body Beautiful, as well as her first book, Your Strong, Sexy Pregnancy Everywhere Books Are Sold. And of course, make sure to follow Desi for more inspiration at mothers into living fit. I'll drop links to everything else that she and I discussed in the show notes on my website which is at lightwatkins.com/show. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, we've got an incredible archives of interviews with luminaries like Ed Milette, the director Ava DuVernay, spoken word artist Saul Williams, etc. You can find all of those interviews plus you can search interviews by subject matter also at lightwatkins.com/show. You'll see a drop-down menu at the top of the page. And you can find interviews about people who've overcome financial struggles, who've navigated health challenges, you name it. You can get a list of all those episodes at lightwatkins.com slash show. And if you would like to see the interviews, you can see a playlist of all of them on my YouTube channel. If you just search Light Watkins podcast, if you want to listen to the unedited version of the podcast a day early, because they get released on Wednesday, but we release them on Tuesday the unedited version inside of my happiness insiders community. And that is at thehappinessinsiders.com, where you not only have access to the podcast a day early, but you also have access to my 108-day meditation challenge, along with my other challenges and master classes that are all meant to help you become the best version of yourself. And one very easy way that you can support the show is by leaving a rating or review, which you can do very quickly by just glancing down at your device. And on the Apple Podcast app screen, click on the name of the podcast, scroll down past the previous seven or eight episodes, you'll see a space with five blank stars. And if you like this conversation, click the star on the right. That gives us a five-star review, and that's great. And if you want to go the extra mile and leave a couple of lines about which episodes you really liked or which episodes you recommend a new listener start with in order to get the gist of the podcast, then that would be greatly appreciated as well. Thank you very much in advance for that. And otherwise, I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week With another story about someone just like me and you taking a leap of faith in the direction of their purpose. And until then, keep trusting your intuition, keep following your heart, keep taking those leaps of faith. And if no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thanks and have a great day. If you want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, then you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at LightWatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again, just go to LightWatkins.com. You can sign up for free and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.